We're in part four of This Is Us, and we've been talking about uh, a theology of the body of Christ. What is the church? What are we all about? What's the person, the individual's responsibility to the church, to the body of Christ? How does that all work? We've been working through that. Started off week one with one body, many parts. There's one body, many parts. It's very important if you understand that the teachings in the scripture are that there's one body and many parts. Not many bodies, but one body and many different parts. And they're different from each other. One body, many parts. We talked about the purpose of the body of Christ. And just to make it quick, it's to change the world for Jesus. To bring people into the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, everlasting salvation. So that's the purpose of the body of Christ. And then we talked about finding our balance in our purpose in Christ. Sometimes we can carry too heavy of a weight or we can abdicate our responsibility. We don't want to live a meaningless life, but we don't want to be crushed by all the things that need to be changed in this world either. We want to do our part and find that proper balance where his yoke is easy and his burden is light and we're bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. This week, we're going to look at the Corinthian error. We're going to be talking about division in the church and the problems that come from division. It's an error, a misunderstanding. They didn't understand there was one body. They were bringing division. And so how many bodies are there? Covered it many times as one body, many parts, one body, just one, one body with many parts. So why then is there so much division in the body of Christ? Anybody ever experienced a church split? Anybody ever been between denominations or churches or ministries that were competing and fighting with each other? Where does this division come from if there is one body and many parts? Well, this is something that the seeds of this were already sown in the New Testament times. We see this described quite clearly in 1 Corinthians. And so we're going to look at different pieces of 1 Corinthians to try to grab hold of some understanding of how to avoid this division, how to live properly inside the body of Christ without division. There's, of course, a gazillion different things that I could talk about. We're going to get some snippets and try to hit some of the main points of how to deal with this. But we're going to start that by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. It says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, who is Peter. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And he continues on. So, is Christ divided? That's the question I have for you. Is Christ divided? When the Apostle Paul asked that question in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, of course, it's a rhetorical question. And he's saying, no, Christ is not divided. But is Christ divided? Well, spiritually, Christ is not divided. In the heavenly realms, Christ is not divided. But on earth, if we let division come in, then Christ is divided on earth. You know, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray with the Lord's Prayer, you know, he said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, Christ is not divided. On earth, Christ should not be divided. Someone shouldn't say, I follow Paul 
And another person say, I don't follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Another person shouldn't say, oh, I don't follow either one of those. I follow Peter. That shouldn't be happening. Division should not be happening in the natural world, just like there is no division in heaven. Christ is not divided. So no, Christ is not divided, but on earth, when his people fail, Christ is divided. And this can be easy to fall into. As a new believer, I got caught up in the blaming people and, and finding fault and that sort of a thing. And it's easy because guess what? People do things wrong. They do things poorly. Uh, they misunderstand things. They say things that they shouldn't say. There's lots of opportunity to say of a ministry, to say of a minister, to say of a church, to say even of an individual Christian, they got this wrong with them, this wrong with them, this wrong with them. And you'd be right. We're not called to bring division through those sorts of things. We're called to come together, to build each other up, to help each other, to bring healing and unity in the body of Christ. We are to protect and heal rather than divide. Have you ever had an injury? You know, even like a paper cut, what do you do? You get a paper cut, you quickly cover it up. You try to put it back together. I remember one time I broke my elbow. I was in fifth grade and we were playing football in the yard. And we had a friend who was a sixth grader, but he weighed 200 pounds. I was in fifth grade. I weighed 60 pounds. And my other friends were about the same size as me. Maybe I might've been the smallest, but we couldn't tackle this guy's 200 pounds. You know, it's like Derek Henry in our backyard running us over all the time. And And we couldn't tackle him. So I said to one of my friends, all right, you go around his ankles. I'll climb up on top of him. We'll tip him over. And I thought this might work. So my friend went around his ankles and I climbed up on top of him and I'm doing this. And, and, uh, we tipped him over. He fell on my elbow and broke my elbow. Now he was a great kid, became the heavyweight on our high school wrestling team and super good guy. You know, it was nothing he did on purpose or anything. It's just the way that worked out. And I broke my elbow. So what did I do? Well, I covered up and held on to it. And then people came to check on me and I kicked and punched them and got them away from me because I didn't want anybody touching me because I had this injury and I was covering it up. And then I went in and told my mom and we went to the hospital and got my arm fixed. What I didn't do was yell at my arm, cut it off and throw it in the garbage. Would anybody do that? No. It's causing a significant amount of pain. It's, it's not working even. We naturally, part of our body, we protect it, and then we bring healing to it. And that's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. When a part is hurt, when a part is causing pain, when a part isn't working, it shouldn't be something that brings division, but we need to work together to bring healing and restoration. That's how it's supposed to work. But that's complicated because there's people involved on every level and it can be very challenging. So that's why unity in the body of Christ is such a big challenge because it's hard. It's not easy. And I've been sucked into it as well. And the devil will try to trick us in these ways. It's something that's easy to fall into, but it's something that we must overcome. Let's look in chapter three now of first Corinthians, as we kind of survey some of the sections in first Corinthians that have to do with this. And let's look at division between leaders or churches, denominations, ministries, continuing on what the Apostle Paul was talking about in chapter one. He picks up the same topic in chapter three and kind of throughout the whole book of first Corinthians. So chapter three, one through nine says this, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly. 
merely infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So here we see the Apostle Paul is reiterating what he brought up in chapter 1, and he's telling them that they need to not quarrel and have jealousy from one leader to another, from Paul or Apollos. He mentioned Cephas earlier. And then the chapter finishes off with the same theme. We jump to verse 21, and here Paul says, So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. So jealousy and pride and quarreling between churches, ministries, leaders, it's a destructive force in the body. We need to come together. And here I really like how he says, all are yours. We are all part of of one body. We all belong to one another. We read that a couple weeks ago in Romans 12, verse 5. The last part of it says, each member belongs to all the others. We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. I feel like, you know, I belong to Journey Christian Church. I feel like I belong to Grace I feel like I belong to River of Life. I feel like I belong in these places. I've even belonged in the Catholic Church. Father Fish invited all of the pastors over to be part of Mass. He has invited us over to be part of the Stations of the Cross. So I've gone over there a couple of times and participated with them. Now, I'm not going to become Catholic. I'm going to be me and I'm going to do my thing. But guess what? I can go to the Stations of the Cross on Good Friday and get something good out of it. I'm not betraying Christ or doing something wrong because all are yours. I can do that. That's fine. It was a beautiful experience. And it was something that was neat for me because I've never been a part of any of those, you know, high church formal experiences. It's all been pretty disorganized, the church experiences that I've had. But all are yours, not division, but all coming together. And here, uh, Paul is a little bit harsh here at the beginning of chapter three, you know, mere infants in Christ. You know, he gave us milk, not solid food, he says, and then there's you're still not ready. So basically, Paul is saying that you're just a bunch of babies. You're infants in Christ. You, you can't get this right because you're just little children. You're babies. You need to grow up so that you don't pit Apollos against Paul. You don't pit Peter against Jesus. That just doesn't make any sense. All are yours. It makes no sense for us to compete with each other. To have competition is destructive and it, it just doesn't make any sense. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If my body is fighting against itself, if I have an autoimmune 
deficiency, which creates some kind of terrible reaction, it's bad for me. It's not good. And that's what division inside the church creates. It's like you're rejecting your liver or you're having that sort of a thing. It's not good. So this church versus church competition, youth group versus youth group competition. I've even seen it in missions and that, you know, ministry to ministry competition. It just doesn't make any sense. It's childish and destructive. It's not good. Next week, uh, we're going to move on from the Corinthian error to the Pharisees error. And the Pharisee error is very similar to this one. It's just the grown-up version of it. So we'll talk about that next week. If you want to know what it means to be a Pharisee uh, and how to avoid that, then next week is the week for you. But God takes this division very, very seriously. So let's look in the middle of chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul, you know, he's talking about not Paul, not Apollos, you know, that, that makes you just a mere human. You're not a, you're not a spiritual person, a follower of Christ. You're just doing baby human stuff. And then no more boasting about men, human leaders in the middle of that. He says, verses 16 and 17, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So this competition between churches and between leaders and ministries, that's what he's talking about as destroying the temple of God. We are to be one body with many parts, not the different parts fighting with each other and trying to prove that one is better than the other and that sort of a thing. It isn't a race between the parts. It's the one body with the many parts and it's destructive and this is very harsh. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Those who bring division into the group, according to that verse, will be destroyed. And you don't want to be in that spot. Now, the other side of the coin here, you know, we want to be unified, but I want to make sure that you know, it's okay to watch out for false prophets. It's okay to watch out for false teachers. That is fine. You know, there's, there's evil out there. There's bad out there. What this is talking about is the people who are honestly serving Jesus, but maybe they're doing it imperfectly. Maybe they have a different perspective on something, a different understanding. They're doing it in a different way, but they're honest followers of Jesus. That's cool. Still watch out for false prophets, false teachers, false religion, all that stuff. That's still fine. Now, there can also be division inside the church. So I'm not talking now about from church to church or ministry to ministry, but inside the church, sometimes people can compete looking at their area of service as being more important than somebody else's area of service. You know, some people might think that, well, the only thing that really matters is prayer. Other people might think, well, the only thing that really matters is ministry to children because they're the next generation. We've got to get them while they're young so that they can see and believe. Some people think, well, it's about worship. We just need to spend time, you know, basking in the presence of God. Some people think it's about, you know, having the right policies and procedures and having all the administration done. And also, which is it? Which is the right way to serve Jesus? Well, this is the one body with many parts. And all of the parts need to be functioning for it to work. So this is what's talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's quite a bit 
uh, in chapter 12 about this, and I want to read through some chunks of chapter 12. So verses 4 through 6 set the stage. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So there's different ways that we serve God, different types of people, different parts in the one body. Then jumping to verse 12, it says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So there are lots of different ways to serve the Lord. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed all the parts of the body together, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So you might look at the church and say, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I don't know if I fit in here. It's you do fit. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. So there's one body with many parts. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're part of that body. Do you have any choice in that? No, you do not. To believe in Jesus is to be part of the body. Even if you think you're not part of the body, you still are. If you say, well, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body. Wrong. You are still part of the body. So that's the one side. Looking down on yourself because you feel like you don't fit in. That's division still. You're dividing yourself out thinking you don't belong. This keeps going. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So we don't want to exclude anyone saying, well, we don't need you. We really don't need administration and bylaws and, and church board meetings. Uh, yeah, you do. You need that part. We also need worship. We also need kids ministries and youth ministries. And we need uh, individual Bible studies and encourage people to have their personal devotional time. We, we need all of those different parts. So Every part needs the other part. You can't say, well, we don't need that. We just do this. Now you can do your part, but understand that you're only a piece of the greater body of Christ. You can be your part of the body, but don't think that that is the body and the only thing that matters because we all succeed or fail together. Again, verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We succeed or fail together. We don't do that individually. The body of Christ, we either are seeing the world come to Jesus or we're failing. And we do that as a group. We succeed or fail together. I want to look at chapter 10 and chapter 11 
and tie this in with the unity of the believers to talk about the Corinthian error division. So we're going to start in chapter 10, reading verses 14 through 17. And it says this, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. So here we see this one body with many parts concept being brought up inside of the idea of Holy Communion of receiving communion. Now in the, in these days, communion wasn't a little plastic cup, a little bitty wafer. That wasn't how it worked. These were agape feasts. They would eat, you know, they would have lots and they would celebrate the same thing. They would do this in remembrance of me. They would celebrate the body and the blood of Christ, but it would be a meal. It would be something that they came together as a group to do. And Paul is saying, when you do that, you're acknowledging that it's one body, not a bunch of separate things. As we are part of the one body, the body of Christ, then when we receive that, then we acknowledge that we're part of that one body. We're not separate. We're not a different piece. We're a different part, but we're not part of a separate body. We're all part of the one body. There's the one loaf, the one body. We share in that. But they were having some problems. There were some issues going on there in Corinth. So we're going to go into chapter 11 and let's go to verse 17. It starts off very strong. He says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. So divisions among the people here are to the point of your meetings doing more harm than good. So division is very bad. What is he talking about? What sort of division is he referring to? Verse 19 is an interesting segue. He says, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. There's a little bit of a zinger in there. And then verse 20, so then... When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. So Paul is chewing them out for how they're doing their, it's kind of half communion and half potluck, their love feasts. He's chewing them out for how they do that because he says, this isn't the Lord's Supper. You're failing at this because some people come and nobody shares anything with them and they're going hungry. That's not right. They're eating a big feast by themselves while other people don't get anything and they're getting drunk. This isn't working. This is more harm than good. You're you're causing problems. You're not coming together and celebrating the goodness of God together, remembering what Jesus has done for us and receiving of the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins and participating in the body of Christ. Say, you're not doing that. You're bringing in divisions. There's divisions among you. It's a problem. It's not good. He continues, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he's clearly talking about what we celebrate in Holy Communion. They did it a little bit differently. Again, they had more food, that sort of a thing. But this is Holy Communion. And this is a section of scripture that's often used as a communion scripture. And then it goes on, verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. So this is amazing. He's telling them, you know, this is why you're doing this wrong. And this is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. He's saying that people are dying because you're not treating communion the right way, because you're not participating in this communion potluck love feast, agape feast thing in the right way. You're failing at this and this is causing judgment to come on you. Well, that's pretty scary stuff. This is obviously a big deal. I've heard a lot of people talk about this verses 27 and 28 and they interpret it in a good Western individualistic style. You know, we always in the Western culture, we think of the individual and how things impact the individual and how am I doing and that sort of a thing. And people do that with verse 27 and 28. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So when people read that, they think, okay, I'm going to look, do I have any hidden sins? Do I, am I doing anything wrong? You know, how, how is my devotional life good? Or, you know, they, they look at themselves, but what does it say? What's the very next verse? The next verse explains what the context is for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So the thing we need to do is discern the body of Christ. What does that mean? He's talking about one body with many parts, discern the body. Don't bring division into the body because there's one body with many parts. Don't bring in division, discern the body instead. So he's saying, you go ahead and you don't include other people. They've got nothing and you humiliate them by not sharing with them. And you go ahead and overeat the stuff that you brought, but you don't share with other people. That's division in the body. You've got to care about other people. You've got to discern the body of Christ. You've got to include, you've got to treat the group the right way. So here, when it's talking about examining yourself before you receive communion, examine yourself as far as how you relate to the body of Christ. Are you someone who's bringing division either by staying away yourself, uh, isolating yourself or by pitting ministries against each other and, you know, jealousy and quarreling and comparison and competition, you know, participating in that or facilitating that or by simply ignoring people, you know, like, well, they don't have anything, but I'm not going to share. I'm just going to experience my own life right here. All of these are ways that we fail to discern the body. This is talking about being considerate of everyone in church and understanding the group, not bringing division into the group. So 
when we receive communion, we want to receive communion and discern the body of Christ. That there is one loaf that is broken into pieces that we all participate in, but we're all participating in the one group, the body of Christ. There aren't a bunch of separate bodies of Christ for this separate churches and denominations and groups. It's just just Christ. Christ is not divided. So we don't want to fail to discern the body when we receive communion. We've read some harsh things as we've gone through this section, you know, 1 Corinthians 3.17, where it talked about that, uh, you know, if anyone destroys the temple, God will destroy him. You know, somebody brings division into the body of Christ that God is going to destroy them. That's bad. We want to avoid that. Here uh, in chapter 11, we've looked at, you know, we need to examine ourselves because if we don't, we're going to bring judgment on ourselves. You know, that's super bad. We don't want to eat and drink judgment on ourselves. This is bad. And it's all talking about just simple, basic, childish division. Well, my church is better than your church. Or, oh, this teacher is better than that teacher. Oh, this thing is better than that. This ministry is better than that ministry. It's just simple, childish division. So we don't want to fall under judgment. I don't want you to fall under judgment. I don't want to fall under judgment. So we need to examine ourselves. Are we party to division in the body of Christ? Are you party to division in the body of Christ? Am I party to division in the body of Christ? I hope not. So we don't want to be part of division. We want to bring people together. Don't exclude yourself. Understand you belong. That was another thing that I got sucked into because I was different. I felt like I didn't belong. Guess what? doesn't matter if you feel like you belong, you belong. Go be different and be part of the body. You don't want to foster competition between churches, denominations, ministries. You don't want to sow division inside the local body. All that stuff is bad. If that's something that you've been at, then you need to repent. That means you need to, to reconsider the way that you think and change and align yourself with God. Reconsider and change your mind Go with God, repent of prideful divisiveness and take your place in the one body. Also, if you've been hurt by people like this divisive people, competitive people, and and you're just a kind hearted person, you could feel it was just, wasn't right. and, And there was hurt that happened. Then it's time for forgiveness to come in. It's time for you to stand in the strength and power of forgiveness to forgive others and step into it. The church is kind of a, a mess. You know, there's a lot of people that are hurting, but guess what? We invite the hurting in. We invite the messed up in. We invite people who have lots of problems to come into church. And so they're going to be at church and you have to learn how to work with that and help and bring healing. So you have to be able to forgive and then you have to be able to rise above so that you can help and bring healing. So if you've been hurt, I want to pray for you to be able to forgive others and to rise above the situation. And if it's time for you to come to Jesus, If today is your day and you're hearing about all the division in the body of Christ and the way that Christians are messing it up and you've been thinking, yeah, that's right. And that's why I'm not a Christian because there's a bunch of hypocrites and fools that are Christians. Let me tell you, that is not a good reason to separate yourself from Jesus. Come to Jesus. We need your help. We need people who can stand strong through these difficult times. We need people who can help bring unity in the church. We need people who are new and enthusiastic and have just tasted of the goodness of God. So I invite you to come in. So I want to read one scripture as our closing scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, 
verses one through three. This will be our closing scripture, even though we read from first uh, Corinthians 11 it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we do this in remembrance of him. We remember what Jesus did. We honor him and we worship him. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to discern the body of Christ. Help us examine ourselves. Are we part of bringing your body into greater unity? bringing forgiveness, bringing healing, rising above, bringing people together? Or are we caught up in infantile, selfish pride and competition and offense and pitting people against each other? Lord, are we missing some people, ignoring people? Lord, help us to see, help us to discern your body so that we can receive and not eat or drink judgment on ourselves. Lord, let us take our place in your body. Let us be people who forgive. Let us be people who honor and glorify you, not human leaders or human churches. But Lord, we worship you. We acknowledge there is one body and many parts. We humble ourselves before you. We ask for your forgiveness and for your sustaining of us. And if you have never given your life to Christ, now is your time. Just ask Jesus for forgiveness. Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Help me to be free from my past. And let me grab hold of new life in you, learning your ways, being part of the one body, and walking with you, receiving everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen.